seems like every local in the valley here has a mountain bike. This sport is really exploding. I break the law. I ride an illegal trip. And it's getting away from the cops, the cars, the concrete. Those Afaka is a Chinese down here. Using snowboarders together on a run, you're looking for trouble. You know, they get on skis and they just think they can overcome the world. The more you around, the more you're going to find out. I like to think that death is out of the question. The life starts at 40 miles an hour. You ride the chairlift for two or three weekends and you have to go like climb hills all week just to be even with God, you know? Welcome to Mind the Track with Pal Bot and Trail Whisperer, ramblings from the skin track in winter, single track in summer, celebrating the core lords, and fostering the culture of mountain life in the Sierra Nevada and Great Basin. Today is December 1st, 2023, and you're listening to episode number 27. By the way, thanks again for listening, folks. Help us spread the word, will you? Leave Mind the Track a rating and review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and now YouTube. Got feedback or a core lord we should chat with? Drop us a line at mindthetrackpodcast at gmail.com, at mindthetrack on the old Instagram, or just go to our website at mindthetrack.com and let us know what you think of the show. I am the Trail Whisperer, here as always with the Professor Powbot. We are recording today deep in the North Yuba River Canyon about a mile outside of the old gold rush town, Downeyville, legendary location and destination for mountain biking and dirt biking and all things biking and recently e-biking. We got a couple of e-bikes sitting in the background here next to Powbot. We've been shredding up the e-bikes here in Downeyville. Hey, buddy. The rum springer continues. The rum springer. (laughs) Yes, the old Amish rum springer. Um... It's, How are you, man? I've been having fun on my rum springer. Yeah, yeah. I I think I'm finally over like the the first phase of it, you know. But it's been really fun to ride some of the trails here for my first time on my e-bike. Yeah, like it's a whole nother game in Deville. Oh yeah, on an e-bike. It's a game changer. You don't have to shuttle anything. Exactly. Yeah, like you're saving the planet mm-hmm. and you're getting more in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Downeyville is the spot for e-biking. It's, um, you know, I, we should probably clarify what a rumspringer is. I don't know if anybody's, if we've described, if we've explained what that if is we've yet. explained it? Yeah. Well, as far as I know, in my bit of research on it, it's when Amish people, yeah, because we like to call our pedal bike the Amish bike, yep. and then when they turn a certain age, which I'm not sure what it is. It's probably 18. I think it's 18, yeah. They then are given the opportunity to experience the technological and and woes of the rest of the world for a period of time, which they get to ride in electric cars. They get to ride in cars. They get to go to Vegas. Watch television. They get to watch television. Right, listen to radio. Yeah, yeah. they get to do all that fun, you know, all that stuff that we are raised with. But then they're given the, the chance to sort of experience that, realize if, or figure out if is it, if is it right for them, and they can stay there, or they come back to the Amish, the Amish ways. Aha! So the rum spring is like it's, the it's a walk. It's like a it's like an Australian walkabout. Right. Got it. Well, yeah. this is. I mean, it's kind of a permanent rum spring, in my opinion. <laughs> Not that I'll never go back. I mean, I ride my Amish bike just as more than I. Ride I rode my, my Amish spring, bike but, more this year than yeah, my e bike. Sure. But I think those it's changing a little bit for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, uh, so yeah, we're in Deville. Make we're da- in Downeyville, make, baby. Make Downeyville gold again. Yeah, baby. so you're you're rocking the hat. I'm I'm so glad to see that. Um, the old make Downeyville gold again hat is. Uh, Where'd this come from? So, I came up with that idea a few years ago, and what's awesome about it is that it splits the middle between this very political world we live in. Depending on who you ask or who you talk to, people, you know, they see it and they automatically think MAGA, right? They think it's like a Trump thing and they either love it or they hate it. But then they see, they ask me, they're like, well, what does this mean? They're kind of like testing me to see if I'm going to say it's like Trump thing, but it's not, you know, and I go, I don't know. It's what do you think it means? You know, because to me, the original intent was like, Downeyville's a dying town. And, um, you know, there was mining here that sustained communities. There was logging here that sustained communities. And when both those things went away, uh, so did the reason for being in this, in this Canyon. Um, and, and, you know, mountain biking, you know, didn't, hasn't provided the same economic, uh, impact that mining or logging Mm -hmm. did. It's not year round. It's not year round and it's not as prevalent but it has saved the town from dying yeah and so make downingville gold again is like you know let's try and save this town from dying through recreation and and through coming here and visiting and staying like it where we are today which some people might recognize as the lure resort but is now under new ownership uh and is will will be called the yubaverse (laughs) which i actually kind of like that name um it's, it's growing on me. Yeah, it's growing on me. At first, I was like, uh, and then you say it a few times, and you're like, it's actually kind of interesting. It's kind of good. Th- this place is rad. Yeah. Yeah, so Make Downeyville Gold Again is uh, you know a play on that. And what's funny is that it, it, it like appeals to both sides. Like if you're, if you're a miner or a prospector, you know, dredging was outlawed here in 2009. So when they see that, they're, they're like, yeah, Make Downeyville Gold Again. Bring back the gold dredging. You know, I want to find gold. And then other people are like, Oh, is that MAGA? And they might like that or hate that. And then there's other people who I explain what it means. And then they go, Oh, I'll support that. That's awesome. You know, maybe it should have a question mark at the end of it. Make Danville gold again? Question Question mark. Yeah. Because pull your camera up a little up so people can see your, your hat. They they can't see see it. it. No, not well, not on. There you go. Yeah. Now they can see it. You're, you're that top of your head's like cut off on oh, okay. your camera angle. Here, I'll scooch down a little bit. There you go. You got to slouch, man. Or just pull <laughs> that up just ever so slightly. Um, but anyway, yeah, so we're we're here at the Yubaverse. Um, and this was your jam. This, you, is why, this was my jam. You own this place for a few years? Part owner. Part owner. Part owner. And, Operator. And like kind of... Fixer on site, yeah, handyman, doer of all things with hands, and responding fixing. to every fire drill, pretty much, yeah, yeah. I built the water system here. It's a state of California, state approved water system, gravity fed, uh, the purest drinking water you'll ever you'll ever put your lips on. It's amazing, um, <clears throat> but all kinds of uh, learnings that I had here over the four years that we owned it. It was definitely a crash course. And, uh, how many cabins is it? There's, uh, there's 16 total rentable cabins, um, eight, what we call housekeeping cabins that have like a full bathroom, kitchen, all the things. And then eight, uh, 
camping cabins, which don't have electricity or plumbing, but there's like a shared bathhouse. Uh, and they're all, all right on the North Eber River, one mile east of Downeyville. Um, it's the closest <clears throat> one to town. It's really close to town. It's only a mile. As far as a resort, yeah. It's the closest thing to town that you feel like you're 100 miles from everything. We don't, we don't have any direct neighbors. Everything's forest service around us. We have actually one neighbor, but they're on the other side of the river closer to town. And they don't even really live there. They're just there like vacation, you know, every now and again. So <clears throat> pretty much do whatever you want here. Um, it's your own private little paradise. You're over the river from the highway, which unfortunately is never word to, you know, advice to people never buy a property that requires having a bridge over a river. (laughs) It's, it's problematic, especially when the bridge is undersized for your needs. But aside from that, yeah, it's a, it's a magical one of a kind place. Like this property is very one of a kind, 70 acres on the North Yuba river, uh, it has multiple springs, cool. produces water. It's at the, you know, the source of all the water. Um, and for our listeners, it's going to be back open to public next year. They are reopening. Yep. I mean, from what I understand, they're reopening right now. It's kind of a soft launch. Um, the, the website has not launched yet, but I believe it's going to, I guess it'll be yubaverse.com. I haven't actually talked to the new owner, Matt, um, on the details of that yet, but <clears throat> it will be reopening to the public. I know that people were kind of bent that it closed, but the new owners just needed some time to really digest this property and understand it so that when they reopened, they were all guns blazing and they had things dialed. I mean, we didn't have that luxury when we bought the place. We had to have it open as soon as possible. Um, And it was definitely stressful, especially considering we were in the midst of replacing everything, cleaning up 20 plus years of deferred maintenance. And um, it was just... It was a fire hose to the face, man. It was, a, and then we had a huge winter, the mm-hmm. winter of eighteen nineteen. Um, so it was challenging, but you know, we got it open, had a really good first year, and then COVID happened, and that man, talk about a curveball! Curve oh my God, that that really threw us. And then, however, after that, it was just exceptionally challenging. Um, it was hard, it got harder to find people to work to mm-hmm. employ reliably. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just got to the point where we realized, you know, this thing is, we took it, we took it. I was really, I'm really proud of what we did with this place. Like it's, it's a cool facility. Thank you. Yeah. It's it's a magical place set up well. And for our listeners that want to come to Downeyville next year, I, if you don't want to sleep in the back of your car, this, (laughs) this is the spot. Yeah. It's not cheap. I mean, it's not cheap, but it's the nicest place in the Canyon. Yeah. It's nice. You know, um, but yeah, it's awesome to be back here. I needed a, I needed a winter off from this place. Um, and the new owner, Matt Query, uh, and his wife, Medea, they're amazing, amazing people. So generous, so kind. Um, and they really have the energy and the means and the, and the resources to take this place to the next to, level. To the next. Yeah. And they want to do live music here. They do. Yeah. yeah. This is a, there's an incredible <clears throat> venue site just up the hill from where the cabins are at, Big Meadow. Yep. And it'd be a really amazing spot if they eventually pull that off. I could see this kind of going off as a music venue. World-class music venue. It has all the potential. We had a big party here. Um, Santa Cruz Bicycles had their company party here in 2019. We called it the Lure Palooza. <laughs> and it was the party of all parties, all-time party. Everybody I talked to says that, like, best party ever. And, yeah, we had uh, March 4th Marching Band, which is this crazy 
band out of Portland, Oregon. It's like a circus dance troupe meets second line funky New Orleans street band. It was nuts. It was insane. And it was really hit home that like we're sitting on a world-class music venue. So Matt is a big musician. He has a lot of connections in the music world and a lot of friends who are musicians. And he bought a huge soundstage and put it up there. And this summer had a few parties and um, had a few bands play. And yeah, it's it's really cool. And so, you know, that's why I think the name the Yubaverse is kind of cool because like it sounds like a music venue, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Pearl Jam plays the Yubaverse. Well, I'll, I'll be one sh- night only. <laughs> I'll be sure to be here for when you have the uh, the reggae Contrague. Contrague party. The country reggae festival. The country That's reggae my festival. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. All right. Yeah. Well, so what else is going on? It's uh, post Thanksgiving, I guess. Yeah. Well, we had we, we had an awesome episode with Josh and Hazen. Yeah. Really cool to talk about all things Nevada. Totally. And then from there, what have you been up to? I guess just riding your bike and yeah, well, you we've, work, been, we've had working. some good feedback from people. We should yeah, probably jump into that for a second. That. Yeah. People have been reaching out, which has been super motivating for us. It's so great to get the messages and feedback. Yeah. Yeah. We've been yeah. getting shout outs. Um, I don't know if you can see on the camera, but I've got this super awesome sweatshirt, Hunga Tonga sweatshirt that my, my <laughs> good buddy Adam Muhammad sent to me avid listener shout out to adam yeah mo sent me uh and swan john he sent her one too he was looking for after all the talk with hunga tonga and stuff he was looking to see if there was any apparel you know like <clears throat> hunga tonga apparel so he found the sweatshirt so <clears throat> thanks okay. adam appreciate it dude i love wearing this thing it's like my most uh worn piece of attire right now i think um and then uh, another friend forrest he reached out to us and said that um Mind the Track is his, his favorite, his top most listened to podcast on Spotify, according to Spotify. Yeah, Spotify just did their year-end sort of review for yeah. like what you listen to. I saw Stick Figure like, announce some of their statistics of how many streams they had and how many listens. Oh, on Spotify, on really? On Spotify, Oh, that's yeah, funny. Which <laughs> we did too. So thanks to everybody that's been listening to us on Spotify. Yep. Yeah, I had someone, uh, uh, someone that I worked with in the, in the food and wine business, Todd Birch, he reached out to me and said that he he thought he was our number one fan, but he was only in the top six percent of listeners on Spotify. <laughs> he's got to work harder. Yeah, got to listen gotta, to more. He, but according to I think at the number of minutes that he'd listened to, it sounds like he'd listened to almost every episode. <laughs> so shout out to Todd. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and then uh, you met a guy on the chairlift at Rose, Andreas. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says I think he's that been was an avid one listener. of the one of the opening days. I think that was opening day mm-hmm. at Rose. I met I met Andreas in the lift, and he reached out and said he's been tuning in so thanks yeah that's great to have folks in the community turn tuning in and listen to what we're doing it's helping us because we're doing i mean this is all we're doing this for fun right now so we are doing this for fun yeah it's keeping us motivated when we get people reaching out and and helping us build the pod so keep reaching out keep sharing and we're coming down towards the end of the year you know and i think uh we're going to do kind of a year end recap episode and talk about the whole year and how things went and, and, you know, what we're, what we're most happy about and, yeah. and what we want to try and accomplish next year. I think next year is going to be, uh, for us, like trying to figure out a way to, um, you know, we spend a lot of time on this and we want to try and produce some revenue out of it and maybe like some apparel make or break it or some, maybe some better, you know, some more ads, but through, you know, only through brands that we really like, 
identify and connect with. We don't want to, we don't want to be the podcast that has seven minutes of advertisements and then the subscription model, you know, like maybe, uh, you know, that, that old, uh, metaphor, like throw us a beer a month, you know, like five bucks a month, you know, like to listen. Yeah, I've always wanted to have a, you like know, a give QR you, code for people who put in the skin line. Yeah. Buy the skin line. Oh yeah. The skin line QR code. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Do you like this skin line? Throw me a few bucks. <laughs> throw me a beer. Throw me a beer. <laughs> I got up early for that. I got up early and I put in a lot of freaking effort so you can have more fun than me. <clears throat> but yeah, so it's been great to get that feedback and um, it keeps us going. Yeah. So thanks yep, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely been a lot of biking. Um, not much in the way of sliding on snow. No, it's been kind of high and dry around here. Not for us here in the Sierra, old Sierras. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. It's, it's bubbling around us. Yeah, it's going uh, huge up in the Pacific Northwest, right? Yeah. It, it, are we right? Can we get into the report? Should we jump into that right now? We should probably jump into the report because I, I hear Snoop Dogg. He's got uh, he's got some prior obligations today, so he needs to kind of get that one off. Scurry along here, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Snoop, I you know we we called Snoop yesterday, and yeah, he he recorded his uh, his weekly message for us and gave us the rundown. Yep. All right. Yeah, so here, well, what's here, he got to say? This is the Snoop report for <laughs> Snoop report for December first. For all you core lords out there, this is Snoop Pod Dive with the weekly Mime Z Track Snow Sizzle My Dizzle Powderific Snow Report. Okay, it's about to get as wet as a ghetto cat playing in the gutter for the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> a game-changing series of storms of drought-busting capacity is about to unleash on all areas and mountains of Oregon and Washington. Oh dang! It will dump, and then it could flood. Uh -oh. Good news for the region is that it could keep going into the following week with colder storms. All other areas of the western mountainous zones also pick up fast snow amounts for a number of consecutive days. This is all great news for all you core lord skiers and snowboarders out there. This series of storms is about to build a great base for the rest of the season. It's a base Bad builder. news is that this shiznit is coming in upside down for all areas. Uh -oh. It starts cold with the first storms. Then finishes warmer than the tailpipe on my pimp right after cruising with my posse for power. Snoop Pod Dog does not like upside down storms. Me neither. So put your avalanche thinking cap on if you're out during this cycle as it warms. My snow sizzle call is that parts of Colorado, Idaho, and Utah will fare the best with the warm ass temperatures with this storm series and finish the best. Yes, son. For Tahoe and Mammoth. You get the empty corner of my chronic bag with just a few seeds and stems and miss out on the party again. This shiznit is all bubbling around the Sierras. For all you core lords out there in the Sierras, you all better start praying for more than the white ribbon of death for Christmas because that's what Santa is going to drop down your chimney. Till next report. Get some. <laughs> get some. Get some. Uh, thanks I mean, Snoop. I mean, he just sounds No thanks up. for the bad news, but thanks uh, for doing the report anyway. Get to yeah, Snoop says the chase is on if you want to chase. Yeah, I got to drive. Yeah, you got to drive to ski right now for us Tahoe folk and Mammoth Sierra folk. Uh, but bummer. I've been, I've been happy just posted up here riding bikes all over California. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned something last night that was interesting, you know, cuz I know that you're frothing to get out on the snow, but you know, you got back you, you went for Downeyville ride yesterday on fiddle and and brown bear and i was here working i'm installing hot water heaters and i need some tankless heaters and i needed to get some work done so i had to sit that one out but you got back and you were like man you know i'm not angry about the fact i'm not skiing right now because you know consistent with the trend 
we had the best winter ever, followed by the best spring ever, yeah. followed by the shortest best summer ever, and followed by the longest best fall ever. I mean, we're still technically in fall. Yeah. And the conditions for mountain biking have never been better. Yeah. I yeah. agree. So yeah, that was the kind of the revelation I had because I've, you know, I'm having FOMO. I want to be skiing. Yeah. I want to yeah. be shredding pow by now because that's what we were doing last year. But right. it doesn't, you have to remind yourself that that doesn't last, happen every year. Last year was a one in and, 50, right? And it's, yeah, it's a, so that was an anomaly. Yeah. And so to be able to be still really enjoying fall mountain bike season at its best, yeah. you have to embrace it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I figure I'm going to get the chase on here in another week or two if we don't have it. Uh, I've actually got something coming up next week that I want to th- throw out to the listeners, but I'm doing, oh. a, I'm doing a slideshow. Oh, uh, presentation? Slideshow presentation on uh, the value of unplugging and Canadian hut life. So, oh, you know, cool. kind of why I've enjoyed my time here is that, you know, we've been unplugged. I think I've texted my wife a couple of times and told her I didn't, told her I loved her and I didn't fall off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, right. Because there have been a few of those here. But other than that, I've been pretty unplugged for a couple of days. But yeah, that's what the I'm doing a slideshow at Donner Creek Brewing on Wednesday, December 6th at 6 p.m. And just sort of sharing 10 years of hut life in Canada. And I think there'll be a, 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 some other pictures from hut life here in, in the Sierras as well as a little surprise at the end. But uh, yeah, if people are around, come check out a rad slideshow. Where's, is Donner Creek Brewing in Truckee? Where it's in it? Truckee, yeah. yeah. It's in Truckee in the old Truckee Bagel location. Oh, yeah, okay. So it's back behind... On Pioneer, it's, is it? No, it's back behind like McDonald's. Oh. Like past the car wash and behind McDonald's. Oh, gotcha. Back there yep. where the road dead ends mm-hmm. uh, that is eventually going to cut through or back over to Donner Lake. But yeah, uh, that's what, it's there. I forget what name of the, what street that is. But yeah, it's back behind... Back behind... It's by Start House. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right off. So anyway, right before the mouse hole on 89. Yeah. Right before the mouse hole. Yeah, exactly. Right before the mouse hole in 89. So anyway, that's why I'm not chasing it just yet. And I'm happy here riding bikes in the best fall ever. Yeah. Awesome. It's been good. What about your, so tell us a little bit, since we're in Downeyville, Mm -hmm. I'm going to focus a little bit on riding in Downeyville. What did you ride the last couple of days? So the first day I was here, I just did the classic up, up from town up second divide yeah and didn't see anybody Mm -hmm. until i ran into the three uh, young men from sierra buttes trail stewardship who were buffing out the trail nice and they and then i continued past uh them up past the cabin up past that old mining cabin on second divide and then intersected with uh uh, third divide Mm -hmm. and and descended third divide and then back into first divide and back into town. So that was day one. And yep. it was amazing because those boys had just, they had worked their way up third divide and then were coming down second divide and had just done a fair, fair bit of maintenance and trail work, mm-hmm. filled in a lot of brake bumps, mm-hmm. uh, worked on some drainage issues yep. and had cleared the trail. So that was riding really good. And then, uh, yesterday I did, uh, I went down Canyon and I ended up riding up Hall's ranch, into Fiddle Creek Ridge, back down, rode the road back, and then did an out and back on your sort of trail whisperer trail called mm-hmm. Brown, Brown Bear, which yeah. was my first time on that trail. And it was a ripping trail. Yeah, That thing's insane. Yeah. It's insane. It's such a cool it's trail. It's a cool old historic trail. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's what I did yesterday. And then I think today we're going to get out this afternoon and find something and do something else. Yeah. Catch a, uh, catch a weather window. 
Um, it's yeah, so been that was kind of been my, that was my adventure the last couple of days and it's been ripping good. It's been an incredible week of mountain biking for me. Actually, before coming up here, I ended up going down to, uh, the coast over oh. the weekend and I chased that big swell that hit the coast on Saturday, Sunday. I actually, how I big was down it on Friday, Saturday? I went down Saturday night. So well, how big was it? If ocean beach was as big and good as it gets, but I was kind of tucked tucked away in a little place that was more manageable up on the Sonoma coast and, uh, surfed for two mornings and then had dual sport days and rode to Annadale park in the afternoons. And the second afternoon I got the tour. I got the big old tour from Scott nickel from Ibis bikes and from Duncan, uh, who we had on the pod. Yep. Those guys gave me the full 30 mile, 30 mile tour of Annandale. Nice. And just, it's so rad when you have someone give you a tour. Of, that's the best way spot. man like yeah. instead of just looking at your phone and stumbling around and being like where am i and looking at trail forks like if you can yep. actually find someone that you know and be like hey follow me totally it just makes all the difference in the world so shout out to scott and duncan for showing me around and to storm who i was hanging out with as well he showed me around annadale my first day there but yeah just had a ripping weekend down on the coast enjoying fall that's great yeah and, that's the best way to ride man like anytime I go to a, a different place that I don't know the trails, I'll look into my Rolodex of friends to figure out if anybody lives there, or if anybody knows, knows anybody. somebody who lives oh, there. Yeah, yeah, and I'll just, and I might, it might be a complete stranger, but I'll just reach out to him and be like, Hey, I'm in town. I'd like to ride. Do you want to go for a ride and just show me what you got? And people love to show you their trails. Yeah. Like that's their favorite thing. That's one of my favorite things is to show people the backyard trails. And so it's the best way to ride a place. Cause you don't have to think about anything. You just follow the person. Yep. And they give you the tour. And I love that aspect you know? of the bike community. It's not like yeah. surfing or, you know. Yeah, like get off my wave, bro, or I'm not, don't talk about the spot. Yeah, you know? there's none of that. And I mean, yeah. there's sort of that with some illegal trail stuff. But yeah, no, right. I mean, something <clears> like <throat> with something like Annadale, you know, Scott, he's been, he, he said, I asked him how long he'd been riding there, and he said 42 years. Yeah. He's yeah. been riding Annadale Park for 42 years. That's almost as long as I've been alive. Me too. Scott's and, a legend, man. Right. He's a legend. So to get to follow him around yeah. that place was super fun. Yep. And then Duncan's pointing out all these, you know, little vineyards and things that we can see along the other ridge lines, and mm -hmm. it was a it was a cool experience. Yeah. So I love I I love that when you can get the tour. Like, I want to get back down there and ride with them and do the Oat Hill Mine. Mm -hmm. They were talking that one up. That's legend. That's they were like talking that ride up. They actually diverted. Ride. They were gonna. Try, they were trying to get Storm and I to go over to to that zone in Napa to ride with them, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. We didn't have enough time with trying to surf in the morning. Yeah, but the surf was macking. Was it? Oh, that, that did you get? Swell. Did you get housed? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get. I didn't get. I didn't get barreled, but I caught a few waves. Nice. It had been like a year since I surfed, so it was. I mean, was it pounding enough that it was hard to paddle out? It was pretty big. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty big. Uh, do you feel, was, do you feel like when you go out there, like, do you, is your, is your chest sore the next day yes. and your arms and shoulders and neck and all just, especially since I don't have, I don't surf right. that much. Exactly. It helps when you're yeah. in a really thick wetsuit. Yeah. So thick wetsuits help with that bit. one. Yeah. And Bill, vitamin I helps with that one. I and I, uh, ibuprofen and ice. But yeah, you get a little sore if you have, that's why it's just, surfing is one of those things where it seems like you almost have to do it for like two weeks straight and then you're kind of in the groove. Yeah. It's hard to just come into big waves blind. Yeah. Even in warm water. But anyway, uh, weather-wise, 
since we had the snoop report, one thing that I walked away from on that trip was the reason why everything's bubbling around us. But the water temps off even north of San Francisco, the mm-hmm. water temps were in the mid to high 50s. That's pretty good. Which is eight degrees warmer than it should be. Yeah. And I can verify that because I just stuck my toes in the water for two days down there last weekend, and it was warm. Air temps were cold, <clears throat> but the water temp was was pushing 60 degrees, and it should be 52, 51, 52, 53, 54 down there right now. So that I think that has something to do with the high, high pressure dome. Everything's just bouncing off the bubble of high pressure. Those underwater temps, man, like BA was talking about it. It's mm-hmm. not surface water temperature that's the issue. It's deep seawater temperature that's super warm and it goes back to the old hunga tonga like what what warms the ocean under the sea you know like deep down um didn't your don't you have a friend who's in like the in climatology or something like that he's a hydrologist or hydrologist he's an underwater underwater hydrologist and wasn't he at a conference yeah he was at a conference recently in europe and they were, he said that there was a big expose and a big discussion about Honga Tonga. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking about it then. The, in, the, in the scientific <clears throat> world, they are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're picking it apart. But, I, you know, I don't think people want to admit that there are these other variables that are affecting global warming. Yeah. Tell Rick with Trash and Treasure on WMTT Hot Country 103. Give us a call. Tell us what you got for sale today. Hey, you're on the air. Yeah, there's uh, Enos Mahonky over there in Booger Hole. I got a Larry Fisher Mountain pushback for sale. Only been crashed into a tree once, so uh, pretty much brand new otherwise. Got a nice jail seat on it. Some uh, off-road tires and that. And uh, it's got them suspensions. Asking tree fitty, firm, service calls only, no scammers. Don't waste my time. Don't steal my stuff. 522-0258. All right. Mahaki over in Booger Hole got a Larry Fisher mountain bike for sale. Tree fitty. Don't waste his time. Don't steal his stuff. Give him a call at 522-0258. There's a better way to buy, sell, and rent used outdoor gear. Sendy, a new peer-to-peer online marketplace backed by Cam Zink and Travis Rice. Built by athletes for athletes, Sendy is committed to providing the outdoor community with a high-quality hub for high-quality gear. Sendy provides a safe platform for buying, selling, and renting, making sketchy meetups with shady characters and seedy parking lots a thing of the past. Sendy uses integrated and discounted UPS rates, QR codes, and print-ready labels, shipping anywhere in the U.S., with Canada coming soon. Download the app today for free at the Apple Store, Google Play, or visit sendy.io. Buy it, sell it, rent it, and send it with Sendy, charter partner of Mind the Track. Now, back to the show. Well, you know, and this is loosely related, but um, kind of off topic, but uh, here in the state of California in 2024, they're going to outlaw the sale of all new lawnmowers, leaf blowers, string trimmers, anything that's gas powered that's like lawn and garden, gone. You can't buy it. And two-stroke dirt bikes. And two-stroke dirt bikes. No more two-stroke dirt bikes. Yep. So you were, yeah, we, you told me about that last night. Mm-hmm. 
it means though people can just still go to Nevada and go yeah. buy it and then bring it back. Oh, yeah. But I just my buddy Ben is shipping me right now. He he needed to buy a gas can for his truck. He can't even buy the gas can in California because it's not carb approved. Some archaic standards. So he has to have it shipped to my house in Nevada so that he can come get it and take it home. It's crazy. Yeah, I, and so and it's all in the, you know, in the guise of like air cleaner air quality and I get that, but you know, the problem is with this kind of stuff is that it creates these unintended consequences. Now, you know, and you're going to face this, you know, because you've, you've got a new gig coming up next year. Now that mm-hmm. you're done with the restaurant biz, you're going to be working in the in the landscape biz. Um, it's going to get a lot harder and more expensive to acquire equipment to do. You know, I was listening to this like podcast episode about this, this new development and they interviewed like, you know, uh, lawn and garden business owners. And they're talking about how like with their gas powered equipment, they can, you know, service a property eight properties a day and, um, with their equipment. And if they run out of fuel, they just refill and keep going. But with battery powered equipment, they bought a few to try and adopt because they know this change is coming. They can do only two houses a day before they run out of the battery, run out of batteries. And then they have to like recharge or they're going to have to buy a hundred thousand. They're going to have hundreds of batteries. Yeah, And then what happens is going to, what's going to happen with all these batteries when their end of life comes. Right. So it's, I don't know, my philosophy on this kind of stuff is you should not be mandating and forcing people to change. You should incentivize them to, um, you know, you shouldn't take choice away from people. You should incentivize them to change their behavior over time. And this, you know, in the state of California, you know, here in Downeyville is a perfect example. So like on this property, when the wind blows, the power goes out because, you know, pg e has power lines strung across the mountains, right? And <clears throat> the trees are dying here. Like there's root rot, beetle kill. Like every time I drive down this canyon, I see more trees dying. It's really concerning. And so the power goes out. Like last winter, the power was out in Downeyville for three weeks, no power. And here on the lower property, um, we have, we installed a propane powered, like big, big propane generator a few years ago. So we're good. Like when the power goes out, we've got power, but the upper property doesn't have power yet. We haven't figured the backup power for that, that part of the property. Um, but when you run out of power here, which happens all the time, people rely on gas powered generators for electricity. And now the state of California is going to be outlawing gas power generators. And what do you do when you live in the mountains? You're going to have to drive to Nevada and buy a generator, a gas generator and bring it back. It's, it's just, they're making it harder and harder to, especially if you live in rural parts of the state, they're making it harder and harder to live here. Or you're just going to have to like get out some candles and sing. Yeah. Live like the miners did sing Kumbaya around the campfire. Yeah. And then, you know, with batteries, the thing that we're discovering here, cause we've, so Matt, um, since he bought the property, he's been buying, like he bought a couple of battery powered side by sides, um, a bunch of battery powered, like chainsaws and, and, you know, we've got our e-bikes and, and, um, I'm all about adopting electric. I think electric's amazing. Like it's, it's, it's silent. That's what I like about it. Um, but the problem in this Canyon is it's so cold here that batteries get zapped by the cold. So like if you leave your whatever, your electric powered whatever off the battery tender for even a few days and you leave and you come back and you go to use it, it doesn't work. The cold has completely zapped the capacity of the battery. 
So in this and canyon, is it okay to leave things always charging? You can leave, yeah, on a trickle that, charger. That, oh. That's what you kind of have to do. You have to keep it plugged in all the time, or it will it will drain itself because of the cold. And sometimes, if if you let it drain too much, or you leave it unplugged for too long, especially with you know with lithium ion, I think it's different. But with like you know the old school type of batteries that are like you know lead acid or whatever, if you drain those too too far, you can't bring them back. Mm. They're dead. You have to buy a new one. And what about even in these e-bikes? Is it, I, I didn't, I guess. I yeah, just, the range is I, affected negatively. I never, I never read my manual when I got this thing. I just yep. got it, brought it home and started riding it. But if you're not riding it for a week, should you leave your e-bike plugged in? Um, if, well, not if you're, not if you have it inside or if you have it in a climate that's, you know, warmer than freezing, you don't need to. You don't? No. You should, and so you shouldn't store your e-bike plugged in? No. Okay. No, um, from what I understand, uh, the ideal charge discharge for like lithium ion is, um, on, a, actually this is kind of counterintuitive, but 80% is, is like run, like charging, recharging and discharging the ma- for maximum battery life, I remember seeing 80% to 30%, which so is, you don't, oh, you don't charge it all the way. You go to 80 and then yep. you drain it to 20, 30. Correct. Yeah, which you know, on our e-bikes, we're we're going. The old saying is, you never leave the party with a half-empty keg. Yeah. Like we're draining that thing to zero, baby. We're going I, all the way I today. Drained, I drained mine yesterday. <laughs> yeah. I basically ride it until it dies, and yeah. then I'm like, okay, I guess we're going downhill from here, and just turn around and rip back down the mountain. But yeah, battery life is affected here, so it makes you know living in these, and and it's you know it's fitting that we're here in Downeyville talking about this topic, but like. You know, rural California, um, it's it's a hard place to live because this place is more like I. You know, when you're here, you feel like you're in Idaho yeah. or or you're you're in Eastern Washington or in Montana. That's how I feel when I drive up here from Truckee. Right. When you get into Sierra Valley, you immediately feel like you've just dropped into Teton Valley. In, yep. In Idaho. Yep. And so it has that feel, and it has that remoteness and ruggedness and coldness, and you know, but. That now, on top of that, you're subject to the rules and regulations, some of which are pretty draconian in the state of California, where a lot of this policy has been created and and kind of modeled for urban areas like Sacramento and the Bay Area and Los Angeles. And it just doesn't fit. This one-size-fits-all solution to a problem doesn't fit living in these mountains. And so it makes it even harder for people trying to live here, um, which is why, like, I, you know, live in Nevada. I come here and, you know, spend some time here, but it's just, I can't do it. Did I say the other day, Donnyville's like space at a dead show. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) It's a nice place to visit. Yeah. But I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah. And I have the utmost respect for people who live in Downeyville full time. I have some friends who live here full time and, um, they're hardcore, man. Bottom line. I have much respect because I can't, I can't do it and and I don't want to do it. I love being here, but I can't be here full time and I need to get out of the canyon. I always tell people like the key to me, the key to making it here without losing your mind is you have to get out of the canyon every now and again. The canyon fever is a thing. It is definitely a thing here and you've got to get out of the canyon. Um, And so, yeah, you know, having Verdi, like I spent four years bouncing between Verdi and Downeyville and, um, it was a good balance. 
And I need that. I, I couldn't, I couldn't be full time here. And I, and I just know myself, I'm not hardcore enough, man. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> you're, you're I, a man's got to know his limitations. You're a soft core. I'm soft. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm soft core, man. That's fine. I admit it. Uh, yeah but man there's some crazy stuff that happened recently here in downeyville Um, oh yeah let's talk about that oh my god i wasn't sure you were going to get into it but yeah i mean what we have to i mean what a good i mean what a wild story it really tells you how raw this place is yeah it's in so um <laughs> Did I, I told you that when I when I pulled up here and you were you and your buddy Ken were out ripping dirt bikes and so the the new property manager came and let me into the cabin and mm-hmm. we were chit chatting. Alex and Dom, yeah, yep. the great great couple from Colorado. Yep. And, and so I asked her, I was like, yeah, so did you, did you hear about the lady that got eaten by the bear inside of her house? And she's just like, we don't talk about that here. <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't tell our guests about that. This and I was like, oh, come on. This is all, this is such a good story. It, I'm I surprised mean, it didn't make like AP news. I yeah, thought that was going to make national news. Uh, I really did. But the way the Sierra County Sheriff's Office, their press release, the headline, it made it sound like a bear ate a woman alive in her house. Cocaine bear. Loose like and cocaine down- bear was in Downeyville. <laughs> loose in Downeyville. <laughs> but it ended up that this woman, this poor woman died in her house. Away. And the bear smelled her and, and nobody had like for a day or more had found her. And the it was bear probably broke. about a week. It probably was a couple days. Like a, it was more than a day. Yeah. And, um, the bear broke in and yeah. And did, had his, did its thing and had dinner. Yeah. So that was, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's tragic, but it's a reminder. Like this place is raw, man. Yeah. It's raw. It's, it's raw. raw AF. Yeah. And and you know the, the and the bear thing here in Downeyville is another issue. Like, um, and again, it's it goes back to the state of California. Like they, I we've had problem bears on this property for years. You know, totaling cars, literally like getting into people's cars, and then the door closes behind the bear, and the bear accidentally hits the lock button on the yeah, door, and then just goes berserk, berserk inside the car and destroys it. And you have to total the car. This yeah. happened here on the property more than one time, and. You know, I called a game warden um, with Fish and Wildlife, and he came out here. Super nice guy. His name's Zeke. He looks like The Rock, dude. This guy was jacked, like 6'2", 230, you know, shaved head, freaking huge shoulders and neck, like wearing a bulletproof vest, all his gear and stuff. And, uh, you know, I I was like, I told him the situation. He's like, I'm going to come to your property, and we'll, and, we'll, and we'll talk. I'm like, oh, okay. And you guys had a bear in a car? Oh, yeah, we had bears. We have bears everywhere. We have bears in cabins. Like people are sleeping in the bedroom. The bear like opens the sliding screen door and comes in and gets in the refrigerator while someone's in the house. Um, so, you know, the game warden came out and he came out at like nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, you don't need to come out here at nine o'clock at night. He's like, no, that's when I work. And I'm like, oh, right. Okay. So he comes out and we chat for like an hour. And he basically just like talked to me about how he has completely lost the ability to neutralize bears. And that the state won't let him neutralize a bear without a depredation permit anymore. And, um, and a lot of it has to do with just like, you know, like animal, like these, Mm -hmm. these private interest groups that are all about preserving animals. And it's like, we have a population overpopulation problem in this Canyon bears outnumber humans 
hundred to one here. You know, during the gold rush, there were enough people, there were thousands of people here and they kept the population in check. But now there's nobody to keep bears in check population wise and they're multiplying and they're everywhere. And they're getting into people's homes. They're creating situations. He mentioned to me that he he went out on a call and a bear had eaten a 90 pound German shepherd. He's like, I've never seen that before. It's the first time I've ever experienced that. And it's like, what's next? A kid? Like, you know, there's got to be... A lady, a lady oh, that passed away in her house. Yeah. Well, yeah. So now you've got a, a bear running around the canyon here that has a taste for humans. That is not a good situation. And I don't know if any if there's anything being done about it. I mean, they had a problem bear in Downeyville this summer, and they set up a trap, you know, like a big cage trap, and they trapped it, and they relocated it. But, like, you know, relocation only moves the problem to somebody else's backyard. Um you know, there's, there's gotta be, and you know, he, this, this game warden, he got called into the head offices because they were looking at his numbers like years ago. And they're like, you're, you're neutralizing like 30 to 50 bears a month. That, that number is concerningly high. And he says, I don't think you guys understand how bad the problem is. Like I'm getting calls, multiple calls a day for this kind of stuff. That's a lot. And nobody's doing so anything about it. How many it. bears do you think actually live within Thousands. 50 Th square miles of downtown. Thousands, Island. thousands. Easily thousands. And what's the population of town? 200. Yeah, you're right. There's more There's more bears. Than Way more. Are. More bears. Than Way more. Are. Every time I go on a ride, I see evidence of bears. They're everywhere. Yeah, that's the only... So the, when, after I saw the Sierra Buttes Trail Stewardship guys the other day, I saw some bear scat, and yeah. that was the only other sign of anything that I saw. Yep. They're exceptionally smart animals. And they can get into, it's amazing what they can get into. And it's amazing how powerful they are. They're, it's scary powerful. They're scary powerful, man. You're making me think I need to have some bear spray on me when I ride here. Uh, no, you know, they, they generally don't want to have anything to I do know, with you. Really so my, my buddy Skylar, he's a big hunter. Um, Except for the cocaine bear. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, right. Like that's a good question. They're, they're becoming less and less afraid of humans. And so people always talk about like, Oh, you know, what do you do about like, you know, mountain lions and bears? And so like, uh, you know, people seem to be more scared of mountain lions than they are of bears. But my buddy Skylar, who's a big hunter said, you actually should be more concerned with bears than mountain lions because mountain lions have thin skin. They don't want to get in a fight unless they, they know they can win because yeah. they don't want to get maimed or injured and then die. Bears have a five, three inches of fat on them. They can take a hit. They can take a bullet. You know, they, they're, they're like a Mack truck and when, and the, and sometimes they can be a little volatile. Like if they, you know, feel like they're being threatened, you know, and they charge you or, or like stand up, you know, like you don't know what a bear is going to do. A cat's pretty predictable. Most cats just want to watch you and they might stalk you, but unless you act like prey, they're not going to treat you like prey. Bears no. are more unpredictable. So you have to be more heads up about being around bears for sure. So, yeah, they're still around. <laughs> and the only way you can take they're care of it now is with go. a depredation permit. You hunt them. So we have our, I'm calling all my hunting friends like, hey, you want to hunt? You got a bear tag? Come on over. Camp out of the property. Take out this bear. We need, need help. Car just got totaled. <laughs> Bear's supposedly good eating. It is. Marco, um, Marco Osborne uh, bagged a bear a couple winters ago and i think we talked about it on the pod and he had like bear nuggets and bear meat and mm -hmm. bear sausage and yeah it's good 
It's good. Totally. It's Not bear. trash bears, though. You don't want to catch the bears yeah, that are you want a wild one. filing through your dumpster. You want the wild ones that are eating nuts and berries and stuff. It's a touchy subject, man. Like, you know, it's in Tahoe, it's such a, I, it's such I a touchy thing yeah. because we have so many problem bears, but the bear league is super active. Ugh, it's, and, yeah. you know, rightfully so. You, you don't want people doing bad things to bears that shouldn't be done, but you also have to manage them. It's a, that's a tough one. It's a pop, there has to be more population control in the state and there has to be, this has to be dealt with in a way that's, um, provides more of a solution than it currently does. And I, I'm, I, I'm a lover of animals, but, and, and I don't, and I don't hunt. I don't have a gun. I don't hunt. I don't like to kill animals. It's not my thing. But when an animal is creating a safety issue or yeah. threatening the safety of a human in their own, in their own home or in their, on their own property, that's when I'm like, you know what, this needs to be dealt with. And there's it needs a, to be dealt there's with. a ripple effect. I remember hearing about some people on the West shore of Tahoe a number of years ago started using bear boards. Do you ever hear about this? No. So to combat bears breaking into homes, I mean, this makes sense, but it's a, it's, it, you can see where there's a trickle effect with it, but they take pieces of plywood yeah. in at the entry points, whether it's a window or a door, and then they countersink nails. Ooh, so it's like a spike board. It's a spike board, yeah. and you put them down in front of all the entry entryways into the home, and it keeps bears from breaking into the house, which works yep. until there's a fire. And then the fire department shows up. And steps on them. And there's a foot of snow, and they're trying to save this home, yeah. and they run up to the house, and then they walk onto a bear board. Is that what happened? Oh, yeah. Oh God! Yeah, oh, so God. they so they had to sort of say, "Oh, hey, hold on a minute! Like, you can't use bear boards in Tahoe anymore because there's, you know, there's other people that are going to come up to the home, especially emergency personnel. So they they had to ban them. But yeah, they, I mean, those things worked. Yeah, and then you know they have the electric lines over the windows and stuff. But the thing is, you you set up all these booby traps to keep bears out. But then inadvertently, and it's inevitable, someone is going to be fall victim of the booby trap. You know, some, yeah. someone not familiar with the property or somebody who just forgets or a kid like, yeah. Yeah. The bear, the bear thing is real. My mom's dog was swiped by a bear. Oh, really? Yeah. Opened up his innards. Oh man. They had a little bit, bit of a bad bear interaction. Oops. He ended up being all right. Where was that? In, in, in Tahoe and in incline. Hmm. Yeah. There, but you yeah. know, I always say the bears were here first. Like respect, respect them, respect that they were here first and just be smart about it. Yeah. I mean, I mean the biggest true. thing that everyone can do in Tahoe is just be really mindful about your trash and your recycling. Mind the, mind the trash. Mind the trash. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I had, yeah, I had it true. in college. Lock it down. I had, you got to lock it down. I had college roommates in Colorado that would, didn't understand the concept of minding the trash until then we had bear problems for a little bit and then they figured it out. Yeah. So, I mean, the main things are, is you don't put your trash out until trash day unless you have a bear box. Yep. And just manage it that way. And that really is the one thing that people can really do to help. Yeah. And keep the bears out of the neighborhoods, keep them out of trouble, keep them eating normal things. Yep. And not coming into town. And we just, you know, people, people think it's cute when they show up. It's cute until they're, they break into your house, yeah, raid your they, refrigerator and take a giant shit in your living room. Then yeah, they're not or, that cute. Or they get stuck. Or, <laughs> like you said, I had, I had a friend who had a bear get stuck in her brand new. She just finished paying off her Subaru. It was like a year, year or two old, but she'd paid yeah. it off finally. It's like the first week she'd paid it off. Yeah. 
and a bear got inside, locked the doors, got stuck inside, was inside overnight and just totaled the car. Yeah. 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 They eat and they eat the interiors out of these vehicles because there's now all these new cars. They're all green, made with recycled green products and stuff. And it's soy coated leather, soy coated wiring harnesses. There was this truck. uh, This is a great Downeyville story. There was this kid who borrowed his dad's F. 350 or F250 King Ranch, like diesel quad cab, like $75,000 truck, right? And goes hunting um, and ends up uh, doing the thing that a lot of people end up doing when they're out like above Downeyville and ends up going down Rattlesnake, this trail that starts as a two track, a Jeep trail, but it, it goes down this impossibly steep descent, like huge water bars, scree fields of rock, rutted out, cross slope, like super gnarly right and he starts driving down this thing thinking that it's a trail you could drive to downeyville because on the map it says it goes but it it dead ends in a canyon and then a single track rattlesnake trail continues as a single track so it's a trap they call it we call it the rattlesnake pit and this guy (laughs) drives this seventy five thousand dollar ford he's a kid and he's and it's his uncle's truck and he and he gets it stuck down there all winter long and he had to abandon it and so the next spring we go down there and the bears just went to town on this thing, broke into it and ate the interior out of it. All the leather seats, like every, the dash, everything just ate it all. And then, um, you know, the forest service, like, uh, they had left the registration and the license plates on the car. So they knew whose vehicle it was. And then the forest service contacted the owner was in, I guess in maybe Reno and was like, Hey, you got to get this thing out of here or it's an abandoned vehicle and it's going to cost you, you know, like $10,000 or something like that. And, um, so the guy had to hire, I think it might've been Siller brothers or Robinson. Scott Scott Kessler's buddy that does rescues. No, no. They actually hired a logging company because it was so deep and, and it was a stock truck, right? So it had like street tires on it and running boards and like, there was no way in hell this thing was going to make it out. And so they had to run, they had to take a, basically walk in a skitter, like a dozer, all the way from like Cal Ida, mile. It took a, a full day to walk it in and a full day to walk it out and then go get the truck. So I think the rescue bill ended up being like $15,000 to get this truck out of the canyon, which was not totaled, but damn near close to total. It was funny. We did a mountain bike ride uh, one spring, to sh- and I wanted to show everybody the, the truck. So we, dr- we rode, we did this lap, we climbed Saddleback, went to the lookout, and then descended Rattlesnake and you know showed up at the truck, and we're like checking out the truck and hanging out on the truck. And this one guy, he was like, well, why don't they just bring a lift kit with like mud terrain tires down here and just install the lift kit on it and then they can drive it out. <laughs> I was like, that's not a bad idea actually. <laughs> Four buy it out. You just lift it and put 35s on it and then you can drive it out. Well, not after the interior was eaten by cocaine bear. I mean, you, you could have, you could have driven it. You could have really? driven Yeah. I mean, it was eaten, but it wasn't like you couldn't sit on the seat. It was just shredded, you know? Oh yeah. man. Well, speaking of cars off the side of the road. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Powbot made made Jerry of the day. Oh god, that was like That's a I, life of goal, oh, dude. Oh man, I woke up that morning and I was like, "Hey, honey, life goals." And she's like, "What?" <laughs> you know, I'm recently retired for the winter 
and she's like, what do you, what do you got going? I'm like, I made Jerry the day. <laughs> Jerry the day. So what, and it wasn't for you, uh, running out of talent on your, on your board. What was it for? No, it was, so I took the picture. It was, it, so it was the day that we recorded with Josh and Hazen. Uh-huh. And that morning I had gotten up and, and skied the one 800 foot pitch of powder that was available in Tahoe that morning. Yep. And then I went to Rose in the after and did some groomers and uh, ended up in uh, the Timbers, which is the little local bar there at Mount Rose Ski Resort yep. and had a beer and was chatting with some old friends. And someone had told me, oh, you got to go look at this, you know, car that had gone off the end, end of the parking lot. The story is that the night prior, someone had pulled up into the parking lot and it was snowing. And so they had gotten out of their car to document the new snowfall. Mm -hmm. And I I don't quite know if if I believe that the the story at the resort that day was that the person had been taking a selfie, you know, but whatever. They were just out of their car taking a picture and they did put their car in park. And so it's (laughs) (laughs) brand new, brand new, like 67, like you said, $75,000 for this was like probably a $60,000 brand new forerunner, beautiful TRD pro. TRD pro with all of the overlanding stuff. It didn't quite, <laughs> it didn't have the shovel and it didn't have the like what max what, tracks. Yeah. Like it didn't have the mask, but it had like the rack and the, and the, and the, the ladder. ladder yeah. And a bunch of other fancy stuff, but it was had gone off the side of the parking lot and then was between the parking lot and Mount Rose Highway <laughs> with a front row seat for it's looking right at the shoots and at the resort. So I went over and snapped a quick photo of it and put it on my Instagram stories. And, and I had referenced something about paid parking because it was the same week. I think it was two or three days post Vail Resorts announcing the fact that they were going to start charging for parking at the resorts in Tahoe. Yeah. After they sold all their passes. Yep. So, hey, buy an Epic Pass. And, oh, by the way, we now have a new parking plan. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a lawsuit in the works on that one. But anyway, I had taken this picture, put it on my story, and had tagged Jerry the day and said something about paid parking. And then he reached out to me and asked if he could use the photo. That's awesome. And that, and that was exactly what his... Uh, paid po- parking. Yeah, he said something about paid parking. <laughs> but yeah, it was a like I was like I've been trying for years. I've been trying for at least ten years to get something on Jerry the day, and I finally did. That's a good one and too. Was, yeah, it was a good one. And I like some of my favorite comments were all about the fact that it was an overlanding car. <laughs> <laughs> and then someone I can't remember who it was, but someone said something about how we must protect Rose at all costs. <laughs> and I really that one resonated with me because I love I love that ski resort. And yeah. I feel that way. Like keep keep the mega passes out of rows. Keep it keep it rows. Yeah. <laughs> don't 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 have paid parking. Don't palisades my rows, bro. Yeah. Don't palisades my rows. So yeah, that was fun. That was a fun one last week. That was the last skiing I've done, and then it's just been bike time since. But uh, yeah, Jerry the day. Shout out to Jerry the day. Thanks for posting the photos. <laughs> I'll keep I'll keep them coming. Yeah. I've I've had some good ones over the years. Like one of my other favorite ones that I got was I had been at Sugar Bowl on a on a powder day, you know, and usually the, my program there was you ride the resort for a couple hours and then me and my all, my crew, we'd all go switch out our gear and grab all our backcountry stuff and then we would go ride side country off of Sugar Bowl. Yeah. And there were, this was a day where 
the avalanche conditions were just so bad that we just called it. We just skied the resort for a couple hours and like had a little sniff and a poke, like I like to say, and we're like, yeah, no, let's like, we're not even going there. Mm -hmm. And so we were, I was in the bar at Sugar Bowl having my first beer in the afternoon and I'm standing there and this, this crew, crew of guys come down with all brand new backcountry equipment, like brand new Jones split board, brand new this, brand new that. And he had his avalanche airbag on and he like bent over to like unbuckle his bindings in front of, in front of the bar and had pulled accidentally pulled his airbag <laughs> accidentally pulled his airbag and I'm sitting there and I'm filming and I as soon as I see it go off like I take out my phone <laughs> and I start filming it and my, the, the best part about the videos, the commentary is uh, someone's all like, what's, what's going on? And I'm all like, you ever seen Jerry the day? <laughs> I was like, we got one going on right here. Did you, was that before Jerry the day existed on? No, the... it was going, it did, was going. Did they but post it? Did you no, send it to No, because him? I, 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 it was back in the day when there wasn't Instagram stories. Uh, so like, I think I had messaged him on it, but I didn't. It was, I think it was back in the day where you almost had to email him the video yeah. and it wasn't, the exchange wasn't kind of as easy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I should still send it to him. But anyway, the funniest part about it then is this guy's out front of the resort with all his brand new backcountry stuff. And then him and his friends are trying to figure out how to put the airbag back in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so that was worth a good laugh. Yeah. I've had some good ones. Uh, nice, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. What else? What else you got going on, man? Thanksgiving. What'd you do for Thanksgiving? Uh, do you believe in Thanksgiving? Do you, do you, do you, do the, do you do the full, like, do you believe that the pilgrims landed and yeah. sail in, uh, I mean, we've kind of got Massachusetts. We've and... gotten away from all that. Like when we grew up with Thanksgiving, that's what it was all about. It was about the Indians and the pilgrims and like honoring that history. And, and somehow or another, it's now we all call it Turkey day and it's just yeah. about a bird. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if it has something to do with the fact that, like, there's just been so much sensitivity around, like, Native American, you know, the the trajectory of Native Americans in North America. Or, so we or just what. don't talk about it now. I, just, yeah, I don't yeah, know. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't think, not thankfully, I just, uh, I'm sort of thankful. I don't have kids, so I don't know what kids are doing at school. Like when I was a kid, we made pilgrim hats. Yeah. And, like, like you were, the you were, e and you like were I, either, a, a, you yeah. were either the pilgrim or you were right. The Indian. Exactly. You yeah. did, had a little play and that's way it was all about learning yeah. about that time. And I mean, how, I we're old dude. And some, some younger people listening to this are probably like, these guys are sold. They don't even know. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> but Somebody why? should tell but these my guys. Question, my question is why though? I mean, it, well, don't ask that. Cause you might get canceled. Dude. Okay. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just know everyone's hypersensitive about everything these days. So I don't ask. I just, somebody says you shouldn't say that. I'm like, okay, I won't say that. All right. Well, did it anyway, work? Thanksgiving, I'm, I, you know, it's just about being thankful for being alive on this planet yeah. in this world, getting to do awesome stuff every day with awesome people. That's always been my tradition. You know? I always go for a ski or a bike ride yeah. on Thanksgiving day. Well, I've always so like, um, I participated in a Thanksgiving day ride in the Bay area when I lived there ages ago. And it's now like, you know, this one in Los Gatos, it's like a, a thousand it, people. What's it called? It's just Turkey day ride. Um, and like a thousand people show up now. Wow. And that was started by my buddies, Mike and Bob in the early 1990s. And there were like 10 people. And now it's a, like a phenomenon. And then when I moved to San Diego, a group of friends and I started a new tradition down there and, and had a turkey day ride and it started with like 10 people and now i think they're like 
between 50 and 100 people a year doing it every year. Um, they've kept it going. And then last year, uh, my neighbor James Inverdi and I had a couple friends and we went on a, on a turkey day ride, uh, e-bike send, uh, turkey day ride. Turkey. <laughs> yeah. And then this uh, year we had a bigger turkey yeah, day I ride in Verdi and you got to join in and there were like 16 of us. Some, it was core it Lord was, city. Dude, dude. I rolled up into that one and was Ooh, like, Ooh, what some, am I, what am I getting myself into? There were some core Lords there. Yeah. It was pretty yeah, sweet. David. David, Steve Wentz, uh, John, John and Jess, yeah, John Morrison. Morrison and Jess, Jessica um, were there. I rolled up on that one. And was like, Oh God. Yep. Yeah. There were some, there were some badasses there. That was pretty cool. Uh, Jen Mater and Jimmy McHugh yep. and like, yeah, a whole bunch of badasses. And it was up. amazing conditions. Like to have yep. a group ride that big, it's nice when you don't have any dust. Yep. And it was just full brownie it, batter. It was freaking cold too. Yeah, it was freaking cold. cold, but really good conditions. So yeah, I did that ride and then went home and Swan John, she cooked an amazing meal. Cool. Um, she loves to cook. So, you know, we kind of just kept it mellow and, um, yeah. So no turkey. No no cranberry. No, she made um no cranberry sauce. She made a variation. She made uh uh a chicken pot pie like like the Ooh. like the filling and then put biscuits on top. It was freaking good, dude. And then she made cranberry sauce because it, it goes with biscuit it. Biscuit pot pie. It was a it was biscuits, yeah. And like the, the pot pie filling in a in a like a casserole with biscuits on top. It was excellent. That sounds good. I went back to yeah incline and had dinner with mom and dad and my wife and we just we did a seafood thanksgiving at home uh yeah, or you at at my my, my in-laws house yeah nice yeah. nice hung out around the fire and had a nice mellow evening we usually go on a road trip like swan john and i have done some awesome road trips uh like we one year we went to saint george for the week uh which was amazing uh and then another year we just did an um a uh kind of a nevada road trip Go. hot springing and kind of just cruising around and camping and stuff. And, uh, this year, you know, we had just been in Florida. I was just Florida man a couple of weeks ago and just wanted to kind of not travel, just yep. stay home. It's nice to not travel on holidays. I think know? I mentioned to you, I used to come down here for thanks. Uh, we used to, my in-laws, they used to go to some friends place in grass Valley for Thanksgiving yep. for a lot of years in a row. So I would always leave early and go ride South Yuba and go do their super remote South Yuba ride and then meet them for Thanksgiving. Yeah. So that was a tradition for me for a bunch of I'd years. Like to, we need to do that ride, man, South Yuba Yeah, Yuba I was surprised to hear I you say that you've never done that. it. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised. It's I a good either. remote fun ride. Totally. It'd be, it's, it's out there. Be good on an e-bike, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Around the spring. Like, people are just like, are these guys only ride e-bikes? the hell's wrong with them? But no, we don't. We do ride Amish bikes. I looked, my, I looked at my stats this year, and I was a two-thirds... Amish, one third Rumspringa. Yeah, yeah. About it's about what I do. Yep, I would say it's just when I when I'm short on time and I want to go big, I use the e bike because I can, and I want to get a big ride in, bigger than I would be able to on the push bike. Well, that's what, you know? it's a time it's a time portal. It's a yeah it's, time machine. It's a time gives machine. you time. Yeah, man. Well, what else? You got anything else? Probably bring this to a close. I don't know. Let me, th I, not really. Yeah. Um, I think this was just kind of a freestyle, uh, like most just of our good, episodes. Good but little catch up. I like how we got on the topic of bears. That was, that was unexpected. I was not, I did not have that on the agenda. Um, 
I so, wasn't sure you were cool about talking about the cocaine bear. <laughs> you know, I don't know. He's, you know, there's a bear running around Donnyville that now has a taste for liver. <laughs> it's like, it's you know, Sierra County Sheriff's Office put out the, uh, put out the press release. So it's public information. It's not like you can't talk about it. Um, I'm sure I'll get calm. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to hear what our, what my buddy Evan Ames has to say. Cause he lives here in town and he listens to us every, okay. every episode. He's probably gonna be like, what the hell dude? Don't talk about that. <laughs> don't talk about co- first rule of cocaine bears. Don't talk about cocaine bear. But it's hard not to go, talk about that. Let's go get a ride in. Let's go shred yeah. some brown pow. We're, we're looking out the window here and I think we're going to, we're going to, have a weather window to get out and uh, take the rum springers on a on the old rip. Yeah, cool. Down Canyon. Well, it's good to catch up and uh, yeah, keep your fingers crossed so that we can get on some snow here at some point. It's December. Yeah, I mean, before you know it, we're going to be playing the Vivaldi mm-hmm. in three weeks from today. Mm-hmm. It is technically the winter solstice. Yeah. So hopefully by then. Yep. I think then that's like the long range forecast is looking like it's maybe that last or third week of December, we could maybe start seeing some natural snow again. So mm-hmm. yeah, hopefully that happens. In the meantime, I'm just going to ride my bike and do trail work because cool. we can. Um, and remind people about your, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. your little presentation slideshow Canadian hut life, uh, December 6th, Wednesday at Donner Creek brewing. What time? 6 PM. 6 PM. Uh, it, it is Swan John's birthday. Uh, I am going to leave it to her yeah, to okay. make the decision. We may be there. Okay. We may not, but I will let you know. Um, but yeah, I recommend everybody else. We'll see Go see Powbot in person. We'll, we'll see you there. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening to episode number 27 of Mind the Track here in Downeyville, California. Until next time, get out there, get deep, and put your mind in the track.